listening to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. I have a word for us. How many of you were or got to listen to last week's message from Pastor Josh when he was here? Super good. Um, I'm just going to do a little follow-up on that. Uh, A lot of times when you have guest speakers, you have to come in the next week and do cleanup. (laughs) But we're going to do some follow-up and we are, I'm going to talk to you about what I think, what he said means for us. And I think it means a lot of things, but I think it means something very, very specific. Um, I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 3. Start reading in verse 1. I didn't give them the scripture this morning. Uh, I, sorry, Amy, so sorry. (laughs) Uh, Matthew chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1. Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, There is the voice crying in the wilderness. Make ready the way of the Lord. Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make way the way of the Lord. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 14. I'm going to read one verse. One verse. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and comfort. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the word over our church in this season what you're asking us to be, who you're calling us to be, who you're calling us to reach. We lean into that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Jake, you're good, man. Thank you. You'll have to bear with me this morning as uh, I have a, some allergies going on this morning. And while I'm thinking of that, um, Asia is currently having her baby. And, and Timmy texted me this morning and said, She seems to be in a lot of pain, but I told her I've been having some allergies going on, so she'll be fine. (laughs) Text me that. It's like, amen, Timmy. So, when a lot of times what happens in church is, is we bring in guest speakers. They come in, they speak, they preach, they prophesy things, they say things, and then the next week, I get up and I preach something totally different. Well, one of the reasons why I, we bring in the people that we bring in is because they have a heart and a sense for what is going on here already. If you notice, we don't just bring in any random people that I don't have relationship with for that reason. Um, I have relationships with every person that I bring in to preach, speak, or whatever. And it will always be that way because I want the people who come here and preach and teach and speak to already have a heart for you and already have a heart for what's going on here. 
And like, so personally, I believe the days of just going and preaching at random people's church, I believe those days are over. We saw what happened during COVID with those with that group of people. Their entire ministries got shut down. And so a lot of them did. And so what happened is, is now those people are connected to local church, local churches. They're serving in local churches. They have a heartbeat for the local church like they never had before. And they are bringing people in to speak to their house. And I think that's phenomenal. But when a guest speaker comes here, this is just some this is some cultural things for Hope Unlimited. When a guest speaker comes here, they have a right now word for this house. For you, the people sitting in the, in the, in the crowd, they come with a word from God for us because I don't bring people in who don't have a word for us. We're not up here trying to get somebody a gig right? This is not just another event where they just get to come preach. But it's people who know us, who know our DNA, and who have been here before, who have been connected to this place. And so when those people come in and they have a word for us, they don't just come preach a sermon. They come and make a deposit. They come and deposit something into our body, fresh, new, to give it a spark, to give it some life, to give it some, I don't know, I don't know a good word for it, but that's why they come. They come to make a deposit into you, into me, into the leadership here, and then they don't just leave, we send them a check, and then we don't hear for them for another year. Like, I've talked to Josh every day this week. Me and Josh have communicated every single day this week. Group text, individual text, I called him on the phone, asked him some stuff about church, they have a heart for this house, but it's important when a guest speaker comes in, they deposit a word into us. They are operating in a specific gifting that is not pastoral. It's either evangelistic, prophetic, apostolic, those things. Those gifts to the body give us direction, right? They give us direction. They give us clarity on a few things. My job as a pastor is to make sure you understand what God is asking of us in this season after they come in and deposit a word to us. That's my job. That's why, that's why I love being a pastor for that reason. So Josh come in last week and he preached out of Matthew chapter 1, or sorry, Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, in those days... In those days, there was a voice crying in the wilderness, make way, prepare the way of the Lord. He used this text, this backdrop of text, to tell us that God is calling Hope Unlimited to be a prophetic people in this time, in this season, in this hour, a voice crying in the wilderness to look at Jesus. For this city, are you with me this morning? For the people of this town, for the people of this region, we have been, we have been commissioned to be a prophetic people, a voice crying in the wilderness to people who need to look at Jesus. That's a big deal. I love that. I, I am all for it. 
We swing for the fence on being a voice crying in the wilderness. John the Baptist was specifically, this is who it's referring to, John the Baptist, Matthew chapter 1, was specifically in the wilderness looking at everybody, preaching to everyone, saying, make way for Jesus to come into your life. He is coming whether you like it or not. He's on the way and he is coming and you need to make way for him. You need to make it easy for Jesus when he comes in. That's why God used John the Baptist. So, God raises up John the Baptist in this season, in this time, in this period, because Jesus is coming. Jesus, if you want to get really theological about it, Jesus is always coming to meet us. He is always coming to meet us. He's coming again. He had the first coming of Jesus. You have the second coming of Jesus. But you have this like tension because isn't Jesus among us? Isn't the spirit of Jesus among us? So he came the first time. He's here and he's coming again. Now I'm not getting in here to preach on eschatology this morning. But I am saying that a voice crying in the wilderness is to announce to people who are around them, Jesus is here and he's coming and he has something for you. A voice crying in the wilderness, a prophetic voice is a voice of peace in the midst of chaos. It's a voice of peace in the midst of chaos, a, a voice of stability in a, in a world of volatility a voice of love in a world full of hate and division, and a voice of resistance in a culture of compromise. That's what a prophetic voice is. I want to talk about some of those things this morning, but I think you need to understand what, when God calls a group of people to be prophetic, there are some warnings that we need to throw out on the table. Number one, one of the most like stereotypical things about prophetic people is that they're weird. Yes, wave the flags, blow the shofars. Those are the prophetic people. I disagree. <laughs> but like that's a very stereotypical thing in the charismatic movement is that prophetic people are weird. Prophetic people are not weird. People are just weird. People are weird. The prophetic's not weird. God anointing you to be a voice in the wilderness is not weird. Some people, though, are strange. Very strange. I know. Have you ever met those people? All right, amen. Everybody has met those people. Listen, I'll tell you a really funny story. It was probably like my first or second month here. I was standing right here. Pastor Casey was standing over there. And there were people just filing in the door. And there was this woman come in, and she had like a couple flags with her. And she never broke out the flags. But what we didn't know is she snuck a shofar in. 
Y'all think I'm kidding. She snuck it in this building. And all of a sudden during worship, I think I'm hearing feedback. And I turn around and this lady has a ram's horn in the air. And Pastor Casey's looking over me. He's like, what is that sound? And I'm like, there's a shofar in the back. He's like, are you serious? I was like, yes, the sound quality is fine this morning. Nothing's wrong with our sound system. Some lady snuck a shofar into the service and blew it in the middle of worship. Okay. Just like it was just like she, it was just like her assignment to come that morning and, and sound off the sound of the Lord in the house. It was very disturbing. Please do not sneak shofars into service. Prophetic people, you ever get, you ever been around prophetic people and they just seem a bit flaky? They just seem a bit flaky. Prophetic people aren't flaky. People are flaky. You do not have to be weird and flaky and out there and different and all of the things to be a prophetic person. You don't have to be, you don't have to fit into this box that we've created in the charismatic movement to be prophetic. You don't. Now, John the Baptist was weird. (laughs) There's all sorts of prophets that weren't weird. But when God raises up a prophetic people, he does it for a very specific reason. There is an announcement. God is trying to say something. And our job, my job, a lot of the times, is to see what God is trying to speak to us to say to the people in this city. Prophetic people aren't weird. They aren't flaky. They are just people that God wants to get his word through. Prophetic people are also not a genie in a bottle. You ever met those people? You ever met those people? Those prophetic people. It's like, I can give you a word right now. You ever met those people who were like, they're like, they play prophetic games. I've played those games. God help. Jesus. I've played those games. You ever met those people though? You've met them. You know who I'm talking about. By games, I mean like, Pick a color, pick a number, pick a pick an element, you know? Wind, air, water, fire. <laughs> Great. Prophetic people do not have to be like that. They do not have to be like that. They do not have to be weird. They do not have to be flaky. They do not have to be a genie in a bottle. They're not a slot machine that you can give money to. They give you a prophetic word and you just go on your way. That's not why God raises up prophetic voices. He does it because there is an announcement that he is trying to make to people. I think I have an inclination of what that announcement is that we're supposed to make. We're going to talk about that next month. (laughs) But 
I want to talk to you a little bit just about the prophetic for a minute this morning and some things that you need to be aware of. The number one thing that you need to be aware of when God starts raising up a prophetic movement, a prophetic people, people who hear the voice of God, who hear the voice of God through his word, who hear the voice of God in prayer, and then speak the voice of God on behalf of him to bring restoration, to bring healing, to bring to, to call people to him, all of those things. There is one particular counterfeit voice that always shows itself in prophetic movements. Okay? Very rarely do I talk about things like this, but I feel very strongly that I'm supposed to today. There is one counterfeit voice, Revelation chapter 2, that shows itself in prophetic movements. And you're, you are going to, as soon as I say it, you're going to be like, yep, I know that person. It's the spirit of Jezebel. It's the spirit of Jezebel. When God makes an announcement that there are prophetic people, the spirit of Jezebel always, always tries to be a counterfeit voice in that community. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 2 that Jezebel refers to herself as a prophetess. The spirit of Jezebel in general, number one, you need to understand it's not a person. It's a spirit. And people who are most of the time very insecure walk in this spirit. Because just like Jezebel in Revelation that announces herself as a prophetess, these people who walk in this spirit of manipulation, of witchcraft, in the name of Jesus, they have to give you their spiritual resume. I've done this for God. 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 And you know what the very funny thing about that is? We don't see any of the fruit of it. It's just talk. It's just, I've done all of these things for Jesus, and I know God in this way, but we don't see any fruit. Can I actually tell you something? Having a prayer life isn't the fruit of the Spirit. Being able to pray in tongues, that's not a fruit of the Spirit. It's a gift of the Spirit, but it's not a fruit of the Spirit. Being able to seem spiritual is not a gift. You just seem spiritual. You may not even be spiritual. You just seem spiritual. You know how easy it is to act spiritual among spiritual people? Just copy everybody. Just copy them. You ever met those people that look really on fire for God? but they're mean as a snake? I've met them. You've met them. You know them. They don't have love in their hearts for people. They want their Jesus to be enforced onto people so that they behave in a certain way. That's what Jezebel does. She's imposing. That spirit is imposing onto people. 
Do you know what Jesus did not do when he came? Impose the kingdom onto people. He didn't. That's why they crucified him. It's because he wasn't opposing it onto people. And people were literally like, I've got to be a part of this. Jesus, we sang about it this morning, literally, literally was murdered. But he never opposed the kingdom onto people. He never pushed it onto people. He never pushed his values onto people. He never pushed his political beliefs onto people. He never pushed those things onto people to get people to behave in a certain way. He just didn't. It's not in the New Testament. He called people out of their life of sin. Yes, Jesus most certainly called people out of their life of sin, but not through behavior modification. We think if you just modify your behavior, that the sin issues will go away. They won't. You still have a heart problem that has to be fixed. And the only person that can fix that is Jesus. But if you behave in a certain way, that does not mean that you are more spiritual over here. If you vote for a certain person, that doesn't mean that you have God's guy for the hour. And I don't care who you voted for. Right, left, middle, upside down, top, bottom. I don't care. I can tell you that all of those things are not the kingdom of God. All of them. All of them. All political beliefs that are forced onto other people are not kingdom. And I don't care what belief it is. It's not with the spirit of Jesus. I don't care if it testifies of the person of Jesus. If it's forced onto other people, it's not Jesus. But what Jezebel will try to do, the spirit of Jezebel, she will try to manipulate, and I only use she, I use she because that's what the Bible says, men can have this spirit too, so don't get offended, ladies. You actually see it way more common in men because they struggle for power. They have an ego issue, and they struggle for power. They have a power struggle, so they have to cling to manipulating their way to the top or to get a voice to the pastor or all of this. Listen, let me just say something about, let me say this, say this. You do not have to manipulate me for me to listen to you. Okay. That doesn't mean that I'm going to believe all the things that you believe. And it doesn't mean that we're going to do all the things that you say do, but you can say what you think That doesn't mean I have to take them serious. Especially if you're not heavily invested. I'm being serious. If you're not invested, like down in your bones, why would we listen to what you say? It's just a preference at that point. And we all have preferences. Now, if you say I have a word from God that we need to do this, I'm going to judge that word from God because that's part of the prophetic, what prophetic people do. They don't just let anybody prophesy anything. And you can't just say whatever you want, whenever you want, and attach God's name to it. And that means it's thus saith the Lord. That's not it. That's not it. Do you want me to show you, to show you where we did this the most? Listen, you'll never know my political beliefs, ever. 
I won't talk to you about them. I'm not here to be your politician. I'm here to be your pastor, okay? But I can tell you this. I can tell you this. Where we saw the prophetic movement take the biggest shift that it ever took since it started was in the 2020 election. Because we still have pastors and leaders believing that their guy was supposed to be in office and they come out and said, this is what God is saying right now. And when Christian leader says, no, he's not saying that, and then it doesn't happen, you need to repent for the word that you missed. Is that too much to ask for? Just repent. Stop moving the goalposts back. Just repent and move on. It's okay that you missed it. You're not in trouble for missing a word. You're not. But when it causes harm to old people, that you take all their money because they believe everything that you say, that's a problem. I have a problem with that. Sorry. When you are in a prophetic movement, Jezebel has all sorts of ways that she shows herself, that that spirit shows herself. I had, I wish Brandon was in here. I would just get him up here and let him share what somebody told him one time. Somebody went up to Brandon. Brandon is mixed, okay? In case y'all didn't know. He was like, God saying, stop using your race as an excuse. He was like, an excuse for what? <laughs> like, I'm serious. You think I'm joking? There's a lot of people probably in this room that you've had one of those words before. Somebody gave you a word and you're like, I don't know about that, dog. I don't know about that one. We'll have to just... See if that one's going to, like, you know, like one thing that we like have taught in prophetic movements about words from God, it's like, if it doesn't make sense, just put it on a shelf for a little while. I actually disagree with that. If it doesn't bear witness to your spirit, ignore it. It's not a word for you. Not right now, anyway. The spirit of Jezebel Listen, this is where this gets kind of dicey in prophetic movements. The spirit of Jezebel can only affect you through people who are close to you. Through people who are close to you. You want me to give you a really good example that you may have not saw coming this morning? So everybody knows David and Jonathan. And everybody wants to have like a relationship like David and Jonathan. I actually don't at all. Because Saul was trying to kill David. And the only way that Saul knew where David was is because Jonathan, his best friend, who, who 1 Samuel 18 says their souls were knit together. David and Jonathan's souls were knit together. His best friend would go back and tell the dude who was trying to kill him where he was going to be. That's the spirit of Jezebel. That is the spirit of Jezebel. And you have to be able to deal with the spirit of Jezebel. You have to be able to see it. 
You have to be able to identify it, and you have to be able to call it out. Pastors tolerate Jezebel in their church because sometimes they have money. I'm serious. They have a check that they can write to keep their building projects going. We don't need a building. We just signed a five-year lease on this one. Now, if you want us to write us a check, pay cash for a new building, we'll take it. But I'm not in need for a bunch of money because you want to run things in the church. How many of you know people who are like that? They have money, so they think that they just get a random vote. I've, we've said this from the beginning at this church. Pastor Casey used to say this. You get a voice, but you don't get a vote. <laughs> you get a voice, but you don't get a vote. We don't vote here. This isn't a democracy. I'm serious. We don't vote about things on our leadership team. We don't. This isn't a democracy. It's not a dictatorship either. It's not. This is the kingdom. And God puts leaders in place to make decisions. That's how this works. Churches all the time. How many of you know the ch a church that's ran by like two or three people? They buy the pastor's vision. That happens all the time in America. Not here, though. It can't happen here. There's not enough money. You don't have a big enough check. I'm serious. We don't tolerate Jezebel here. We just don't. We don't. Because I'm not going to ask you to attend church with Jezebel. I'm not going to ask you to raise your kids in the presence of Jezebel or your grandkids. I'm not going to ask you to do that. I'm not going to lead a church where I have to ask people and beg people to come to church every week and then put them in the spirit of Jezebel. Let me tell you what's also, let me tell you what's also true about this. God can move in the midst of all of that. He can. God's moved in the midst of things that weren't so good all the time and all throughout human history. Listen. You need to be aware. If we're going to be a prophetic people, you have to watch out for people who try to manipulate you. I'm telling you, with the word of the Lord. You know what I tell you the worst one? The worst word from God you can get? It's about dating. <laughs> That's the worst one. It's about dating. God told me, that I was going to marry this girl. Well, is this girl attracted to you? No. <laughs> you think because you look like John the Baptist in the wilderness that she's going to be attracted to you? No. <laughs> how many of you know, How many have you ever met people who have been like, I mean, just absolutely drugged through the ringer because they thought, God told them to date someone and marry them. You've met them. 
it jacks people up. It jacks people up. Don't do that. Don't do that. Listen, if we're going to be a prophetic people, we can't tolerate Jezebel. God has called us to be a few things, though. It's very clear. 1 Corinthians 14, number one, a voice of edification. A voice of edification. Edification just means that you are a voice that is sent to improve the state of something. You're a voice that is sent into not ideal situations to improve those situations. Prophetic people, listen, prophetic people bring stability where there is instability. They bring stability where there is instability. A prophetic person has the ability right? I'm not talking about the gift of prophecy. I'm talking about you being a prophetic person, hearing the voice of God, being moved by the Spirit of God. A prophetic person has the ability to be put in any circumstance and look at that circumstance and speak God's Word in the midst of it. That's what we are called to be, to people who come into Hope Unlimited and people that we see on a regular basis, we are called to, to be immersed into the middle of their issues and speak God's word to it, to make it straight, to make the crooked path straight, to improve the state of something. That's what prophetic people do. They don't, I mean, they might show up with anointing oil and a flag and all other sorts of things, But that's not going to be the thing that straightened things out. I told y'all, I anointed my doorknobs with Crisco one time. Couldn't afford anointing oil. It's too expensive at Lifeway. (laughs) Serious. The Baptists were like, if you're going to be Pentecostal, you're going to pay for it. (laughs) You're going to come here. If you're going to be Pentecostal, you're going to pay us $1,800 for a little vial of oil this big. So when you're broke, you use Crisco. It's fine. Listen, when you are sent as a voice to improve the state of something, to bring correction, timing is everything. Timing is everything. When you're sent to someone to bring correction to them, do not try to bring correction via Facebook. It ain't going to work. It will not work. Y'all just be mad at each other. You try to bring correction people to people via Facebook. What about a phone call? Ever thought about one of those? Not even a text. I'm talking about a phone call. What about going out to coffee? You ever thought about doing that? No, you haven't. (laughs) Because you just feel this urge to bring correction to something. And the urge is fine. But the way that you do it is very, very, very important. The way that you bring correction to thinking and ideas is as important as the correction itself. 
Because people won't hear what you say if you're a jerk. They don't care about what you have to say if you're mean. Or if you're just triggered and going off. Nobody takes you serious. They do not take you serious. It's not even cool. Nobody with any sense of discernment takes you for real. I'm serious. It's a heart attack. I for sure don't. Other people might, but I for sure don't. Listen, timing is everything. Emotionally charged individuals will not hear what you have to say. They can only hear the voice of emotion speaking in that moment. They can't even hear the word of God right now. Don't even try. Let them go off or pop off on social media as the as the new people say i'm just going to tell people what i think and if you think people are going to uh shut me up then you're wrong awesome you don't have to shut i don't have to shut you up you shut yourself up when you said something dumb i'm serious you closed your own mouth for you by opening it You will close your own mouth to ears that might need to hear what you say because you just got to type it out. Cannot resist. Sins. And everybody sees it. And nobody takes you serious. Let me ask you this. Who's calling you when they're going through hell? Nobody. Maybe your closest friends, but nobody's looking to you to be a voice if you waste it on dumb things during emotionally charged seasons. Ain't nobody calling you. Are you do you want to be a prophetic voice that's used by God? Or do you want to tweet? Get on YouTube. TikTok. The TikTok prophets. That's what we'll start calling them. Edification. Exhortation. Listen, to be a prophetic person, you are going to be sent. You are a voice that is sent into situations that entice people, that provoke people, and that encourage people to go after Jesus. That's what exhortation is. When, when one of us gets up here on stage and we say, lift your hands to Jesus, that is a moment of exhortation even in the service. You are a voice, a prophetic voice, that is sent into people's lives to provoke them and entice them to live a life that looks like Jesus's. We have people who think that they are prophetic voices just to like get political. I'm serious. I know people who believe that their sole assignment 
is to see where America is on God's time clock. And there's people in their churches whose marriages are falling apart. I'm serious. Who are going through hell who they don't care about helping because this is all about God's prophetic time clock in America. Congrats. You made that up. America is not even addressed in the scriptures. America did not exist 2,000 years ago, contrary to popular belief. Jake, did that get you? You like that. You're a voice that is sent into people's lives to live, to sit into people's lives, to provoke them to live godly lives, to provoke them to encounter God on a regular basis, to provoke them to go deeper than they are right now. That's what it means to exhort people. You are provocative, you are enticing, you are encouraging. You know what I've never heard? I've never heard someone say, man, I just hate being encouraged. (laughs) God, I hate it. I hate when someone tells me how great of a job that I'm doing. And I hate when someone tells me how much God loves me. I just hate it. Nobody has ever said that in the history of time. And if they have, they have a problem. They need to sort out within themselves. I know all the introverts in the room, they're just like, I don't even like people talking to me, (laughs) much less encouraging me. Listen, people do not need your criticism as often as you think they do. People do not need to hear you give a critique of their life as often as you would like to believe. Can I tell you that most of the time, people people like they they make this like super spiritual. It's like I just feel called to speak the truth. (laughs) You ever met those people? Just the truth. The truth. The unfiltered, candid truth. That's what I feel called to do until somebody speaks it to you. And then truth is relative. I might say something very controversial this morning if you would so grant me the opportunity. You know, there's like a movement like going around right now in Christianity There's people who are like, for some reason, it just like, just baffles my mind. I see it on social media all the time. People are like, there's no such thing as your truth. There is. There is such thing as your truth. This has nothing to do with Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. Has nothing to do with that. These people, if you had any discernment at all, are speaking to their circumstances that happen to be true. That they need you to speak into and encourage and uplift and make straight as a prophetic voice. 
But we just want to say, well, there's no such thing as your truth. There is. Everybody in this room has different things that happen to them that are unique to them that is true. Wes has a man bun. I do not. That is what that is true to Wes. It is not true to me. You mean to get real for you? Emily lost her dad. I have not. That is true to her. It's not true to me. So there is such thing as your truth. We're not talking about everybody quoting the, the scripture. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if I ask you to exegete that scripture for me, you couldn't. So there is such thing as your truth. And as a prophetic people, we are called to be discerning of what is true to people and speak into those things. Being prophetic isn't generalized. Being a fundamentalist is generalized because everything has to fit in this box that we've somehow created. And if it doesn't align with these boxes, then it can't be true. I love having conversations with fundamentalists. It's my favorite. It brings me a deep sense of joy. Because I can just say about three things, and either they have been what Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls stupefied, which means, which means you have believed something so much that you can't see any other perspective, or they're scrambling. The main thing that fundamentalists believe that I don't believe is that God isn't infinitely good. They believe sometimes that they are actually better than him. They won't say that, but that's what they believe. There was a dream that was shared in the charismatic movement, and I'm going to speak to this, and then I'm going to be done. There was a dream that was shared a few months back um, by a worship leader in the charismatic movement. And in this dream, uh, there was World War III was happening, and the United States was winning, whatever that means. Nobody wins when there's war. Nobody wins when there's war. Everybody's a loser. But in this dream, they saw this nuclear war happening. And then the dream shifts, and there's a monk on the mountain, in a mountain praying, seeking God. And they said that God speaks to them in this dream and says, you call what is good evil and what is evil good. And I call this nuclear war good, and you call it evil. And I call this monk evil, and you call it good. That's a false prophecy. That's false, fake. 
You've been stupefied by your political beliefs. And you attach God to it, and it's perverted. And it's wrong. And you operate in the spirit of Jezebel. And nobody will say it to you because you can sing good. I don't care. It doesn't bother me at all. So we have the audacity in the prophetic movement to say things like a monk on a mountain praying is evil. But a nuclear war, that's awesome. God's for that. Amen, brother. What does that even mean? There are people in the prophetic movement that say that they have dreams every single night. Dreams, visions, signs, wonders. I believe in prophetic dreams. I've had prophetic dreams. One of the, one of, I had a dream to move here before I did. I think it's awesome. But there's like 12 prophetic dreams in the Bible. 12. And you have one every night? And in the entire canon of Scripture, we have like 12? And God's giving you a different direction every, every different day, I guess. No, it's crazy. That's crazy. Last thing. Those people, the reason God raises up a voice in the church, Pastor Josh said this last week, is to speak to the church and the world. And when he, and he, when he raises up a prophetic voice, he, edification, exhortation, and the last thing is comfort. The reason that God picks people, groups of people, to be a voice for him is to speak those three things into the lives of people in the church who have been hurt and into the world that don't know Jesus yet. We do have a lot, a lot of religion in the church today. We really do. There's a lot of religious activity that goes on in the church of America. I don't know how many voices we have, though. I don't know how many real prophetic voices that we have in the church because it gets lost in all of this garbage. You can stand to your feet. But the deposit, I want to be very clear on this, that Pastor Josh was making in us was that we were called to be a voice in the wilderness, a prophetic people. And because of that, that means a few things. And I laid them out this morning. Prophetic people don't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be flaky. It doesn't have to be strange. It doesn't have to be, it can just be normal. It can be totally normal. I can come to you and say, hey, I feel like God's saying this to you. That's all it has to be. It doesn't have to be me coming and laying hands on you and making you fall out in the floor and giving you a courtesy fall. Y'all ever given somebody a courtesy fall? Yeah, I'll stand up here and tell you before God and everybody that I've given everybody a courtesy fall. I've only been slain the Spirit like twice, but I didn't want 48 people coming to lay hands on me, so I just take a nap. Lay in the floor and pray. I'm serious. 
learned my lesson real early in the Pentecost. You don't have to teach me something, but about once when I get saved, people were trying to get me baptized in the Spirit. I didn't even know what that meant yet. I was already baptized in the Spirit. It happened to me in my bedroom. And I was in this Pentecostal church and there was this, God bless him, two, two guys over 6'4 and over 400 pounds, two of them coming up to me, laying hands on me, like compressing my chest, <laughs> trying to get me to fall out in the spirit. So I just fell on the ground. I'm serious. I don't know why that's a big deal. Some of y'all are lying if you say that you ain't ever done that before, because I know you have. I'm about you get. There's this there's this kid in our youth group. His name was Andrew. And it's like every time they sang a worship song, he would just fall out on the floor. Call that a low glory tolerance. He has a low glory tolerance. Just falls out. Every time something good happens in church, he just falls out. I'm serious. I had a friend. His name's Blake. He watches online sometimes. He lives in Montgomery. Blake was with me, had never been to church before, ever. And Andrew's like standing from me to Joe. And Blake's like right here. And he just falls over. And Blake like leans over. He's like, we need to call the ambulance or something. Hands over here on the floor. It doesn't have to be all like that. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. That stuff is real. But a lot of it, a lot, so much of it has been manufactured. It's hard to even know what is real anymore. And so we welcome all the real stuff and we say no to all the flaky stuff. And if you're going to be a prophetic people, you have to be able to recognize the voice of Jezebel. It will show itself. It will show itself. And it's not a person. It's not a particular person. It is a spirit of manipulation. And you have to be able to recognize that. It's not a person. I'm going to say it over and over and over again. It is not a person. It is a spirit that attaches itself to insecure people. And you got to be ready to speak into people's lives who need it. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.